What radio, the music you want. With your host, he's Dan. You are wonderful. Thank you. I've worked hard to become some. RadioWhat.com What's up, party people? It's Keys Dan with RadioWhat.com, DJLittleRock.com, coming to you live in a living color from the Radio What Studios. And this is my podcast, What Makes You Famous? It's an extension of the RadioWhat.com internet radio station that I've been running for quite some time. And if you need DJ services, where do I always send you? DJLittleRock.com. One more time, djlittlerock.com. Check availability and get a free price quote. And maybe you can have me at my next, at your next event. My next event, your next event. You know, I like to party with the people. The people need to be entertained. Are you not entertained? Let me entertain you. Today on the program, I have an entertainer, a singer, a songwriter, an author, Demi Michelle Schwartz. May the Schwartz be with you. Oh, I'm so excited to talk to her. She is a young and up and coming creative, uh, what is it, juggernaut? Shall I say juggernaut? She's got her fingers in a lot of pots and she's uh, well educated and you're going to get to know more about her in the next few minutes. So stick around this week's shows. Let's see. I have one public show this week. My regular Friday night gig at the Rab in Conway, Arkansas. The video dance party karaoke jam. Yes, I said karaoke. You're the stars of the show. <laughs> the stage is yours. They got a full bar. The kitchen's open. Good food. The more you eat, the more you can drink. It's not me. It's science. Don't look that up. Don't look that up. Just just listen. <laughs> They got 10 diamond-style pool tables. That's professional pool tables. They got a pool tournament on Friday nights. So if you want to try your hand at playing pool and possibly make some money while you're doing it, while you're waiting to sing on stage right next to yours truly, come on out to the Rab. Conway, Arkansas starts at 8 p.m. until 1230 in the AM, Friday nights. And then on Saturday, Saturday I think I'm, oh, I don't have an event. I think I'm going to go to the Rocky Horror Picture Show. It's been about 30 years since I've actually been out to a Rocky Horror Show. So they got one in Little Rock, Arkansas. I might check it out. And I might drag the fam with me. Who knows? (laughs) All right, party people. That's it for the introduction. Let's get into the conversation with Demi Michelle Swartz. Now, I got her on Skype, so if you're listening to the audio version of this, check out the video version on my YouTube page, youtube.com forward slash user forward slash Keys Dan. Skyping to me, Michelle Schwartz, now. there it's demi michelle swartz i want to use swartz because as soon as i heard swartz what did i think of demi i don't know <laughs> come on with a name like schwartz i think of space balls may the schwartz be with you adorable oh, that's funny. simply <laughs> adorable oh i know you're you're better known as demi michelle Good to know you, right. and I see a hand yeah. a hand working the curtain behind you. So if people are listening to the audio yeah. version of this, I want you to check out the video version. <laughs> no, and my, see the- my mom's my, uh, um, my manager. Not really. She's not my manager. She's adjusting behind me. No, <laughs> so she's I don't your, have to get up and move it. <laughs> she's your set designer, 
uh, amongst other things. Yeah, there, there you go. My Sutta Dharma. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's go. good to have a team. Um, yeah, and um, I pronounced my I pronounced my name Demi. So Demi. Demi, it's Demi. Okay, all right. Demi you gotta, Michelle. You got to differentiate yourself yeah. from all the other Demis. No, no, it's Demi. <laughs> yeah, I know. Is it Demi? Yeah. Mich- Mich- Michel? <laughs> No, it's to me, Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> no, that that would be a lot of fun. You know, you, you mix up pronunciations. I, I know I, my real name's Daniel, but I, I could go by Daniel, Denis, Daniel. You know, just really mess with people's minds. Yeah, <laughs> um, I've gotten some weird pronunciations. The one time I, I usually like if, if I don't talk to somebody like before and they don't ask me if I'm in the middle of like an interview and they say Demi like I don't stop them because it's fine. But the one time someone called me Demi, which was like way too different, so I literally had to stop and I, that's not my name. <laughs> Well, well, I mean, what we call ourselves is pretty important. I, I mean, even if you yeah. you meet other demis, uh, you you're going to a name name recognition. If you meet other demis, D E M I S, you're generally going to be more uh, attracted to them, more friendly to them. Have you right. met any other D E M I S demis in your life in your travels? No, I'm the only one. Oh, come on. Oh, come on. Now you're pulling my leg. Pull the other one. The no, other I, leg. I don't know. I mean, like, other than fame, other than celebrities, there's nobody, like, in my personal life who has a name to me. Understood. Understood. Yeah, I'm the only one I've only met in person. Now, uh, you know, uh, being a fan of Frozen, I like Demi Lovato's version of Frozen better. Oh, I love her. Yeah. Yeah. Come and get yeah, me. Come at her. me. Come find me. I, I like her version better than Nadina <laughs> Menzel's. Uh, or as John Travolta would say, Adidas Azim. <laughs> <laughs> but I goof. I kid. Oh, I kid. Man. I kid. We're here to talk about you. No, it's funny. Be- yeah, I love I listen to your show and it's just really entertaining. <laughs> well, you're really, really entertaining. The show is your show today. We're learning about you, Demi Michelle. Demi Michelle. I'm going to keep on pronouncing <laughs> it like five different ways. Yes, that's, that's right, Demi. Uh-oh, this interview's over. If I if I say Demi one more <laughs> <Yeah>. time, <laughs> you're shutting it down. <laughs> yeah, but you've been yeah, literally. <laughs> well, okay, uh, you know, for the people that that are you know my my loyal listener wants to know more about you, Demi uh, Michelle uh, Schwartz, you know, and, and wants to know more about you. Tell me, give the people an idea of who you are. If you were writing your Wikipedia page, of which I didn't find, uh, you know, you being a songwriter singer. For so long already, you should already have a Wikipedia page. You should have an IMDb page. You should have an author's page because we're going to talk about authoring too, of course. But Demi, Demi Michelle, give the people an idea of who you are. Yeah, um, I'm Demi Michelle. I am many things. I am a an award-winning songwriter and recording artist. I primarily do pop and country music. I am also an agented author of young adult fiction. I'm represented by Michelle Jackson at LCS Literary Agency, and I primarily write young adult fantasy and thrillers. Um, on top of that, I am also a podcast host of a show called Right on Track, a songwriting podcast. And this spring, I am launching a sister show to Right on Track for publishing called Literary Blend, a published podcast. So I have many things. I'm very creative and I'm delighted to be here today. Well, you got your hand in a lot of pots. And I want to say hello to all the butterflies out there <laughs> because I know that they're listening in. And I love that you have a group that you have called 
the butterflies. It you know if you if you notice in the background of the video, there's going to be some fluttering. I know our our pictures are primarily covering the the majority of it, but there's going to be a fluttering of butterflies back there in our background in the video version of this. So if you're listening to the audio version, check out the video version. Uh, unless you're driving a car, okay, or operating heavy machinery, please stay on the audio version only. Check the video later. So you can see Demi right there next to me. Wonderful. Wonderful. All right. What avenue do you want to explore first? I mean, we're here to talk about the music primarily, but the the um, the authorship is fascinating to me. I've not written a book. Hey, I've not written it. Well, no, I take it back. I have written a song and we're going to talk about that because it flows real neatly into some of your uh, some of your videos, the majority of your videos, your um your original videos uh, have have a theme in common, and especially your last video that's on your YouTube page has a theme. We'll uh, put a pin in that. We'll talk about that later. But what avenue do you want to explore? Tell me about the podcast. Tell me about the book or tell me about the music. Where are we heading? Demi, it's your show. Uh-oh, hold on a second. I lost voice. We can do the music first. Let's, hope, let's go for the music. All right, judging by your YouTube presence and i know youtube is such a wonderful tool it gives you kind of a a video diary of your progression through the years with music music wise because okay back four years ago you're doing cover after cover after cover honing your skills playing guitar primarily guitar uh, there might be a little bit of piano in there because I know you play some piano. Yeah, there's some piano in there, a Mercy cover with a piano. But um, primarily it's guitar. But, um, you know, tell me about four years ago or even earlier picking up a guitar and giving you the idea that, hey, I'm good enough. I want to show this to the people of the of the earth and maybe beyond. Uh, let me put it on this thing called YouTube and and ha- let people know about me. What gave you the courage to do that? Yeah, so basically just my backstory with music is when I was 10 years old, I started piano and I'm classically trained. And so piano was my main focus. But when I was in undergrad in college, I majored in music and creative writing. And when I was a music major, I had to learn guitar. And so that's when I learned guitar. And then also when I was in school, I discovered my love for songwriting and started doing that. But I, because I was so deep into classical music and being a classical pianist, I never really did open mics or performed covers of contemporary songs. I was always playing Mozart and Debussy and Beethoven and all these classical piano composers. And so when I decided I wanted to try to break into music and the contemporary space, I didn't really know where to start with my original music super much. So what I did was I thought it would be cool to release covers on YouTube. And for a while, I did one every week. And I think like, looking back, I've definitely progressed. And I cringe at some of my earlier videos, which I think is fine, because it just shows my progression. And for a while, like you said, I was just really trying to get into my skills, develop my sound, because I feel like by doing covers of other artists songs, I was really forcing myself to imagine how would I sing this song if it was mine? And so I really started to step into myself as an artist and discover my sound. So then when I started to release original music, 
you can see on these YouTube channel, there is a gradual progression of shifting out of the covers into strictly original things. I still do covers from time to time, especially when I'm doing live shows, I'll post those videos. But now for the most part, it's all original stuff. And so I feel like it's been fun for me to go from strictly doing covers to doing mostly original music. Well, your first original was a song back in 2019. Maybe you could talk about that. And how did that go from inside your head to out there on the page to out there on the uh, electronic? I'm guessing you didn't use analog equipment. Well, you can explain. How did that first song, that first original (laughs) song come out of you and get put out into the world? Yeah, so I actually wrote Into Focus, which is my debut single. I wrote that in a practice room at school when I should have been practicing my piano pieces for an upcoming recital. <laughs> um, but I like was really overwhelmed that semester because that's when I added my other major, my English major, and I was really overwhelmed and I was dealing with some other personal things. And I was in this really emotional space and I needed to get it out. And so I wrote Into Focus And I wrote that in 2017. So I didn't release it for two years. And the main reason for that is because I had a lot of confidence issues when I first started. I thought I was terrible. I didn't think I was a good singer or a good songwriter. And so I just didn't tell anybody I was writing songs. And one day I got the courage to share that song with a couple of friends and they liked it. And so I went through the whole process of finding a producer and all that. And my producer, Bob McCutcheon, I worked with him on Into Focus and he's still my producer now. Every single song I've released, he's worked on with me. And it's been a really great process too, to go from my first song with him where I literally knew nothing to now where I'm basically co-producing all my music. That is beautiful. It's good to give credit where credit is due. Uh, You have a producer and and you have staying power with said producer that shows that you have loyalty and you develop uh, business relationships and possibly even friendship relationships with the people that you work with. Now you're talking that you're classically trained. I got no problem with the classic Ludwig van is my man. You know, if I'm feeling blue, if I've had a a rough day, I'm going to throw on uh, anywhere between the first through the ninth. And the ninth was my ringtone for a long time. Oh my goodness. When you play the ninth, uh, it just, it, it, it it brings you joy. Yes, I know. It's called Ode to Joy right in the title. It says there's joy there, baby. Yeah. Well, yeah, tell, no, tell me great. about your classics. <laughs> what are your faves? Oh, man. Um, my fave classical Please. musicians? Yes. Um, yeah. So my fave classical musician, um, Claude Debussy, is my favorite. He's a piano composer from the Impressionistic period. He's my favorite. I also really love... Mozart from the classical period. I've played quite a few of his sonatas. I really enjoy his music. Um, Bach has some really great stuff. I've played for my senior recital. I played a prelude and fugue by him. Um, I forget which one at the moment, but um, he has great stuff. And I have to give a shout out to Clara Schumann. Um, she has a beautiful nocturne and I played that for my senior piano recital too when I was in college. And it was just really great because back then, like Clara was from the Romantic period. Um, and back then, it's very rare to see female composers. And a lot of the times, you will see female composers actually have their work published under their husband's name. So Robert Schumann, um, quite a few of his pieces could potentially be written by Clara, but they just put his name on it instead because female composers weren't really as respected back then and um, deserved the recognition. And so I think 
playing a female composer who was from the romantic period with a beautiful nocturne was a really big thing for me so support the female composers and the female songwriters and artists today i feel like it's still an issue with radio and all all of that um this is 2024 it's going to be an issue anymore but it still is so support the female artists <laughs> well to me i got no problem with the female artists i know that traditionally yes i guess back in <laughs> i wasn't talking to you i was talking in general <laughs> i'm just saying back in the 50s and the 60s you're right there were a lot of men well even before that if you if anybody wants to have a time machine and wants to go back in time go on by yourself (laughs) because right now is the best time that we've ever lived in ever okay even though i come from the 80s you know and i I love the 80s and i love how the you know the nostalgia that i have for the 80s but right now things are progressing uh better than ever yes we've had some setbacks with uh, a few of the judicial things and the government whatever but uh look for the most part people are people have freedoms uh, that they never had before and i appreciate that Mm -hmm. but you're okay i know my loyal listener is very smart and they know when the impressionist (laughs) and the classical and the uh renaissance uh all was but you have to school me the dummy that's sitting here on the other side of Skype from you. Okay. The dummy. When were these eras? I, I guess Ludwig van was around the, the 1700s, uh, like, uh, like the late 1600s to the early 1700s. That's, that's mm-hmm. Beethoven, right? Right. Yeah. So, um, Beethoven was in that transit period and the romantic period. So basically you have, um, the earliest music is like antiquity and the middle ages. And then after that you had the Renaissance and then after that you had the broke period, which is where Bach comes from. And then after that you have the classical period where it, um, Mozart and Haydn, those composers. And then Beethoven was like in that transition period between classical and romantic. You can tell when you listen to Beethoven sonatas and things that they're a little more innovative than Haydn's and Mozart's because he was taking some risks and kind of setting that transition stage. And then the romantic period, you have um, uh, Chopin, um, Schumann, all of them. And then you move into the more contemporary music, the 20th century impressionistic, and then into the 21st century where it gets uh, more creative with atonal music and uh, different things that you haven't really heard in the earlier periods. And I think it's really interesting, like looking back at the evolution of classical music, because we see the same thing in contemporary music. You see like the evolution of jazz into other genres and um, country kind of branching off into different genres. As we continue into the future, music will continue to evolve. And the exact same thing happened in the classical space where composers were staying in a space and then others will come along and try something different and set a new kind of style. And then that sparked a whole different movement and era of music. So it's really interesting. Once again, uh, you're uh, obviously you've been classically trained. Obviously you've studied the theory of music. (laughs) There's a reason why classical music is still being played today. The notes were put Mm -hmm. in certain orders and they're still being played in those same uh, very similar order today but um you know once again mm-hmm. I, i'm thinking of years and you're going over periods baroque and 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 renaissance i know this is not a, a class but w- what you've proven to me is that you <laughs> you've got this all in your head and it's all tools yeah. of the trade that can be used for today but i know mm-hmm. that uh, every generation of musician was criticized by the generation before as corrupting the minds right. of the youth 
uh, you know, one of my my favorite right. things is from uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, where they're talking about Ludwig van Beethoven corrupting the minds of the youth, like John Bon Jovi did back back in my day. And as uh, you know, time yeah. progresses. Oh, these hip hoppers, they're they're corrupting the minds of the youth. And, and what's the next generation going to be afraid of, you know, because it was rock and it was the jazz mm-hmm. players. Ooh, those jazz players, they're crazy. And the country music, oh, they're crazy. Rock and roll, that's going to be the death of us all. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And it just progresses, <laughs> uh, you know, hit hit after hit after hit. But, I mean, you know, what are yeah. you enjoying the time now? Because I'm guessing that you might have listened to some music with maybe an older brother or sister, if you have any, or your mom and dad, you know, where, where did the love for music come from? Was anybody exposing you to records or playing music on the radio and saying, oh, this one's good. You should pay attention to this, like I do to my daughters? <laughs> um, yeah, so I, my parents, and then I have an older sister. Um, and music has always been like playing in my house. When I was young, music was playing. But the funny thing is, nobody in my family is musical. My sister tried piano before me, and she like didn't practice. And my parents like just stopped taking her to lessons because she wasn't playing or anything. And um, I'm like the only one in my family who is actually musical. Everybody loves to listen to music, but I'm the only musician. You know, my sister was made to, to uh, take piano lessons. My mom, you know, was really good. Uh, she had a, a a little girl, I don't know, probably 20, uh, more than 20 years my junior. And uh, so she grew, was growing up as an only child. And my mother had this parenting thing down. I mean, uh, you know, after my brother and I were out of the house, she had this little girl and she wanted to give her all the tools of the trade. So she had her playing piano and my daughter as well i have a i bought a thousand dollar piano it's sitting collecting dust in the third room right now it didn't take i'm so sad about that but when it when it was being played you know it was being played it was beautiful there was music in the house she was uh you know when when she was playing piano she was excited about it she was able to to um make her own songs and and that was and it was Mm -hmm. cool having music at your fingertips and you know i had a couple of guitars that that i don't have anymore and she would pick those up as well now i'm looking at you Mm. playing guitar you don't use a pick do you have to keep your your fingernails strong what do you do to keep your fingernails from breaking oh my god my nails do not break Uh, like literally i have the strongest nails to the point where like and my nails grow really quick all the time which is annoying because i'll go to get them like done and then a week later you'll see like at the top it's like growing away already like the pain's growing away because my nails grow and they're so long like i'll hit my nail off something and it wouldn't break and then whenever i'm like clipping my nails like i literally have to push down so hard to break like my nails do not break it's crazy (laughs) Well, you might want to go get a power tool like a Makita sander and buzz that thing <laughs> off eee, with like little little flecks of of uh, what a metallic <laughs> as it makes that sound. No, but uh, strong nails are well. That, that's a lot of uh, vitamin E. Do you take vitamins at all to to or supplements or is this yeah, something I totally do. natural? Oh, okay. Yeah, I do. I take them, but no, it's so funny because my nails grow so long, um, and 
I, I don't play piano as much. And when you're talking, you sound like my mom because I have a baby grand Yamaha. And I like when I was um, doing a lot of classical music, I played all the time. And now I don't play as much since COVID. I haven't really been playing because I used to do a lot of classical recitals. And then obviously all of those stopped happening during COVID. And then after that, I just never got back into it. But I really want to get back into classical music. But when I was um, just with my piano teacher and then in college with my professors, the amount of times I got yelled at for having long nails. And I was like, I literally just cut these last week it's not my fault they grow this fast like I would always get yelled at for having long nails and playing with flat fingers instead of curling my fingers it was a whole thing well it is your fault that you're they have long nails you're taking your vitamins you're doing the right thing uh, so it's, it, yeah. and it's important that you have these nails uh, do, have you ever played with a pick or is it <laughs> or is this something that you were you were taught with your fingers I, I love I love the the finger style classic uh classic guitar yeah like uh el- like mariachi's that play, you know, in Mexico with that with the fingers. Mm-hmm. Oh, so beautiful and so fast. Yeah, you, you have speed when you have five instruments rather than just the one, right? Yeah, yeah. I just I play with a pick before, but it's just I, I'm not as comfortable with it. I like my fingers. No, I like that. <laughs> I like it so much. Now, do you feel uh, okay? I'm, I'm going back to my uh, El Mariachi and when they were talking about uh, the, the <laughs> style of guitar that he was playing. And I know my life is, is movies. That's culture, pop culture. Uh, you know, my, I, I learn a lot from movies. But he was talking about forget about the chord hand and work on the, on the strumming hand. It, what's, the more important, right, right. what's the more important hand? Uh, can you play all open chords if you, can, if you, could, if you have the speed and the dexterity? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not the best at the guitar. Like, I'm good enough at a check company myself, but on all my studio recordings, I have a guitarist who's a thousand times better than me. But in terms of like which hand, I think it's more important. Um, they're both important. Obviously, the you know, the left hand, the one controlling the chords on the fretboard, it's so you're playing the right thing. But I think whether you're strumming or finger picking with your right hand, I think that's where you can get the emotion and the dynamic contrast. Um, because that's how you're like contributing, like playing the songs and playing the music. Um, and I just like growing up playing piano, I'm really into as a form of expression because piano is a very dynamic instrument and it's a solo instrument, it can accompany too. But when you're playing solo piano, you really need to focus on dynamic expression. And so even though piano is not, or even though guitar isn't my main instrument, I still try to find ways of bringing dynamic expression into that. Well, is it the same in piano where you have to have one hand thinking about this mm-hmm. and one hand thinking about that? Is, is, is it writing yeah. two different sentences? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, because I think like you definitely have um, typically, and it'll switch from time to time, but typically like your left hand is more of the accompaniment and your right hand's the melody more. And so whatever you're playing, I've definitely had to keep in mind um, with how hard I'm pushing down on the keys to make sure that the right hand notes kind of sing a little more over top of the left hand foundation. And so there's a lot in there with dynamics um, from section to section, crescendo, decrescendo, diminuendo, that kind of thing. And being sure that the notes that are meant to be heard and the melody comes out above everything else. Well, when I go to, uh, when I, when I have the opportunity to go to a piano concerto, a solo pianist, such as yourself, Demi, and I, I'm with your mom. I don't want you to <laughs> give that up at all. I want to see you at least, at least on a YouTube video. I've, I've seen some of them where you're playing, but my favorite, uh, uh, concertos 
are the ones where the pianist will cross his hand, his or her hands over to grab the note from that end. It's just, it's like a magic yeah, trick. Yeah, I've done that before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's nuts. They're the, the hand jumping thing. Yeah, oh, I've done that before. It is amazing. All right. And I, I know that you, you have a baby grand. I'm guessing that's a pretty big piano. You need something a little bit more portable to take it out on the road with you. Now that you're uh, you're becoming a, a touring, traveling musician. Well, tell me about the, I, I know that you've you've had some gigs out there. When was the, the first gig that you, uh, that you said, hey, now that I've put this stuff on YouTube, let me take it out on the road. Or was the gigging before? And and uh, well, I guess does the uh, the concert stuff that you did in high school and college? I guess that counts. Tell me about uh, your first times out. Yeah, yeah. Um, I so I don't play live a whole lot. It's not my favorite. I prefer the songwriting and recording, but I am doing it more now. But I started when I started playing piano at age 10, I was doing recitals very young. And so I was really exposed to a very different performance atmosphere when you're in concert halls where people were in concert black and all formal and everybody's so proper and professional. It's a very different atmosphere than going out to play at like a coffee shop or an outdoor event. It's very different. And I think I, um, I still get some performance anxiety, but I feel like I'm, better because I went through the very high stress situations of being in a concert hall, playing classical music. And then when I was in college, it was very high stress with juries, which are basically your music finals where you have to play scales and do all these things, play a piece, get judged on and graded. And so I've done many things as a classical musician that whenever I transitioned into playing my own music and covers out, it wasn't as scary. <laughs> um, but I think my first time, I think my first time playing live was my school had open mics. And so I played there and that's the first time I really played like acoustic with my guitar or with the piano on campus. And then after that, outside of school, I took part in a songwriting competition in downtown Pittsburgh, which was the first time I played one of my original songs out, which was like a one song thing. I can't remember the first time I did like a full set, but probably like not until like 2021, 2022, when I really started to do the whole artist thing and had music out to play. Well, you're a good public speaker. You're obviously, uh, you're, you, I, I'm excited to hear your podcast. I listen to podcasts all day long whenever either i'm listening to my my own radio radio what.com or i'm listening to other people's podcasts so i'm excited about that because i can tell you you have the gift of gab because you're answering questions for me that i haven't even asked uh the um the one question that i was going to have was did you play a cover or an original at school and obviously it's a cover so what cover did you play for the people and how did they react Uh, um and Okay, so the very first time I played this video is still on YouTube somewhere, but it's cringe. So if you want to look it up, that's fine, but it's kind of cringy. So this is actually a good story. So I, um, when I was in my sophomore year, yeah, my sophomore year of college, I was in a voice class and we were learning how to sing in different genres. And we got to the country unit. And at the time, I wasn't a huge fan of country music, which is funny considering now I do pop and country music. But we had to pick a song to sing a cover to just with the backing track. And I picked If I Die Young by the Van Perry. 
And I sang it in class and my friends and the professor were like, oh my goodness, your voice sees country music. Why don't you play at the open mic? That was like that week. It was like coming up that Friday. And they're like, you should play If I Die Young with your guitar. And at the time, I had only been playing guitar for like a year and I wasn't that great. And I wasn't sure about it, but they talked me into it because that's what my friends did. <laughs> um, so I went and that was my very first time playing live with my acoustic guitar doing a cover. And it was also fun because it was right around Halloween. And so we were told to dress up and I wore um, like a white dress with angel wings. And fast forward to last year, um, I actually released a studio recording cover of If I Die Young that I released last May. And it was just like a really full circle moment for me because that's the very first song I ever covered. And so when I was looking for another cover to do to fill in space between my original projects I was still working on, I decided to do that one. So that's the story of that. <laughs> yeah, you're talking about the uh, the cringeworthiness of stuff that we did years ago. Yes, don't listen to my first podcast, although the interviewees, <laughs> now, maybe the interviewer wasn't so good, but the interviewee, who the person on the other side of the microphone, was perfect. But yes, uh, you know, as as I progress, as we progress, we get better and better. So if you want to watch an, an, if, an If I Die Young cover, there's one right there from two years ago uh, in uh, Kirksville, Missouri at the Depot Inn and yeah. Suites in Kirksville. And, you know, and you did a Taylor mm-hmm. Swift, uh, Mean, or Marin Morris. Uh, Tar- oh, you, you all over me. Oh, you all over me from Taylor Swift and Marin Morris. So you, you've done, you did plenty mm-hmm. of covers on that show. That must have been a fantastic show. Yeah. If people want an idea of, of uh, what you can do uh, on your own, just you know, in a in a corner, in a tavern, in a club, uh, playing uh, playing yeah. uh, for the people that are you know maybe having some food or some drinks, and they want to have a a uh, demi Michelle sitting in sitting there and and provide the atmosphere. You get an you get a, get an idea just by watching those few videos. It's uh, it's great to have that. It's kind of your yeah. your video resume, so people can see that, but. Yeah, but primarily you want to be a a studio musician, a singer songwriter and record. Now, Mm -hmm. you know, because of the music business has changed so much, people aren't selling records anymore. They're not selling songs. Yeah, I know. It used to be you'd go on tour to promote the album. Now you make the album to promote your tour. I mean, have you found the business part of the music? It had has it changed yeah even in the time that you've been in there yeah definitely yeah it's it's kind of a nightmare and honestly like i tell anybody who wants to get into music you have to have a passion for it because when you're an independent artist especially getting started in, in your early years you're not going to make a whole lot from it and so it has to be from a place of passion and um that's why i want to play more because you definitely make more playing a show than you would on getting streams on spotify it's like sense a stream and i think you need to get if i'm remembering correctly 250 streams to make a dollar and so unless you're getting millions of streams you're not making anything from people streaming your music and because people aren't really buying music on itunes or anything anymore you're not really getting money from that which is really sad um I personally think that the industry needs to do better in respecting songwriters and paying them what they deserve and recognizing them for their work. Um, I know like (laughs) this is like a hot take, but I personally think that um, at major award shows, any award show really, um, I think that there is, there's obviously the category song of the year that's recognizing the songwriters, but 
I personally think that every single category should recognize the songwriters because those categories wouldn't exist without the songwriters. You wouldn't have an album of the year category if the songwriters didn't write the songs on that album. And so I just think in general, um, we can still go a long way with respecting songwriters because the music wouldn't exist without songwriters. Well, so that's the end of my rant. <laughs> no, please. I, that, that should not be the end be- until it gets resolved. Uh, you know, the Screenwriters Guild uh, just recently went on strike and got resolved. Uh, with their their situation yeah the 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 actors guild Mm -hmm. uh just went on strike and they they found some kind of a resolution is there a songwriters guild Uh, is there any protection for a person like you can you get into some kind of a of a union to to uh to protect yourself yeah there are um certain like organizations that are trying to fight against it um but it's like slow progress um but we'll see what happens but i'm keeping my fingers crossed that things improve because like these companies like spotify and apple music they obviously have the money they're charging a lot like they i think they raised their um at least one of them did i can't remember which one like raised their subscription for the service and so they're breaking in so much i i guarantee you can raise the price a little for how much you're paying songwriters on royalties well that's but, the problem when they start um, raising the prices because people are jumping ship you know but they found yeah. they're finding uh, music for free everywhere you know people yeah. don't pay for music anymore and you're right about going out on tour i love going out and playing in front of people do you and but i guess the other way to 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 get support is is merchandise do you have t-shirts right. and bumper stickers yeah, and pins available yeah uh-huh yeah on my website um i have a merch store there's shirts uh and then my physical albums and then there's a hoodie too hey that's, that's a demi m schwartz.com check that out right. there's a nice picture of you in front of a butterfly i i think i'm i'm, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out which picture i want to use for the cover of the uh the audio version of this and the video version will just will be uh pretty much what, what you see in in the video right now maybe a, with a little smiley face but um <laughs> yeah, but i i saw the the butterfly and i saw your your um your profile picture it's beautiful there's a couple of other pictures that that are you know smashing you've obviously <laughs> hey you you got this social media thing down you kids with your social media we didn't have to worry about that when i in my day i know i'm sounding like an old old man but uh, you know you're navigating you're navigating through this business uh, that we call show and, and you're you're finding other avenues right. to express yourself you have the book tell me about the author uh, Demi Michelle Schwartz. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, long story short, I I always loved writing stories. I always loved fiction. And when I was in undergrad, like I said, I double majored in music and creative writing. And in one of my classes, when I was a junior, my professor suggested that I get my master's in fine arts in writing popular fiction. I never thought about getting a master's in writing, but I'll check this out. And so I actually went to a um, residency at the school because it was at my same school, Seton Hill University. And I went and I went as an undergrad and hung out with all the graduate students, went to all the classes as if I was a student just to see what it was all about. And I loved it. And then I applied and I graduated undergrad in May of 2019. And then I started my master's in June. So I went straight into it. And I, um, I have always loved reading growing up and I've always thought it'd be awesome to be an author. But it's one of those things that you feel so 
unreachable. But once I got my master's and I started to research how to pitch agents and how to contact agents, the industry, I feel like is so accessible and it's very easy to find what agents are looking for. It's really easy to find their submission guidelines and what, like how to query them, pitch them. And I realized right away that like the path to becoming an agent and author and then to become published, it's very straightforward, which in a way it was re very refreshing for me because music it doesn't really have a straightforward path. Like the the equivalent to getting an agent is like getting signed to a label basically. And getting signed to a label music is, there's many different ways of doing it. It's like a luck is involved a lot. And it is with publishing too, but it's very straightforward. If you follow the guidelines, if you meet the wish list and the agent likes your work, they'll sign you. And I pitched agents for a year and four months. I pitched three different manuscripts. And then last November, I signed with my agent and right now I'm finishing up edit edits for it and then um, she'll start sending it out to editors, which means it's going on submission. So she will start sending it out to editors at publishing houses to try to get me a book deal. And so right now I'm just keeping my fingers crossed that I get a book deal because I'm like right there. Like after doing all the pitching and signing, like I've taken a major step in the direction of getting published. Now literally all that's standing in the way of that is me actually getting a book deal. So um, keeping my fingers crossed that I get one and yeah. I love <laughs> that you have that, that avenue of, uh, of creativity, that, that, that uh, path, uh, that source, because, you know, as, as the music industry has changed drastically, the writing industry, the book industry really hasn't changed that much. We still buy books. Yeah. We still, uh, one right. thing that I like is audio books. Uh, you know, if I say to somebody, yeah, if I say to somebody, I read a book. No, no, I listen to an audio book. So if, <laughs> if and when you do get published, I want to hear an audio book and I want to hear it in I your know. voice. Oh my gosh. Yes, please. No, I would definitely not narrate my own. There's very talented voiceover actors that would do that. But no, literally, that's like the number one thing. And it's really interesting because whenever you get a book deal, the way the contracts work, um, like your agent does all the negotiations, but sometimes like the publisher will like have the audio rights or like you'll keep your audio rights. And I'm like keeping my fingers crossed that if the publisher doesn't, have it built into the contract that the book has an audiobook, then my agent would have to try to negotiate to keep the audio rights so she can kind of pitch it elsewhere to audiobook companies to get me an audiobook. But I'm the exact same way. I listen to audiobooks way more than read them. Um, read books, I mean. So I would love an audiobook of mine. I think that'd be fantastic. Yes, but I want it in your voice because you have the passion I when you're reading your own I story. Can't. You're going to inflect better than anybody else ever could you will and i okay the other thing is, I, I is I'm, I'm so impressed that you've gone to school that you are so learned you've not only taken the time to learn how to play and sing and write but you're you're going to school to learn even better the theories behind all of this uh, i appreciate that i went to school for psychology and and uh, uh, uh communications I know here I am stumbling on the word communications. Boy, I'm a great communicator, but uh, you know, it's irony. It's sweet, sweet irony. But um, I, I appreciate that, you know, and I went to radio school. I appreciate that you've done that. There's so many people that think you don't have to go to school, that 
you know, you can learn everything on YouTube. I can Google it. Is there is there good reason to go to school? Do you find um, a benefit uh, of going to school, getting your master's? Yeah. yeah, definitely. And what I will say is there are, especially in the publishing space, there are so many talented agents and editors and authors who don't have master's degrees. And that's perfectly fine. It's not for everyone. And um, with finances involved, it may not be possible for everyone. And so I don't want anybody to feel discouraged if they can't get a master's and think they can't get into publishing because they definitely can. But it definitely is a benefit because the way my master's program was set up is you have your thesis project, which is your full manuscript. Um, and then during the program, not only do you have classes and um, residencies every six months with in-person classes, but you also have of mentors and critique partners, which was the most valuable thing for me because mentors in the program are published authors. And so when you're writing your book every month, you send your 30 page or more submission to your mentor and your critique partners, and you're getting multiple sets of feedback every month on your submission. And then you can revise it and then keep going. And I grew so much from that because I learned so much about the craft of writing I was reading books on different areas of the craft, like setting or like character voice and all that kind of thing. And so I was really getting into the craft of writing and by doing it and getting feedback that really helped me. And um, my goal, I would love to be a mentor for the program. Seton Hill was like my second home because when I was in middle school, I went to Seton Hill for like piano competitions and evaluations and stuff. And so when it came time for me to pick what school I wanted to go to, it wasn't even a question because like I already knew the whole music faculty and they knew me. And so like Seton Hill basically has been my home since I was like, I don't know, like 12, 13 years old. And, um, so I did the four years of undergrad and then the three years master's program. And I really want to be a mentor in the MFA program eventually. But in order to do that, you have to have publishing credits. And so I am crossing my fingers that that happens because they lo- they also like to keep it like in the family. A lot of the faculty are seeing her alumni. And so it's really great how they try to keep it with the family. And so I'm really hoping that I could become a mentor one day and kind of return the favor and teach other students what I learned. See, that was very smart. Uh, whoever took you, I guess it was your parents uh, took you on tour of these schools and, uh, you know, I, I live in a college town and we have a uh, Robin. Uh, well, a th- we have a theater at the University of Central Arkansas. I'm from Miami, but I'm here in Little Rock or in Conway, Arkansas. Yeah. Uh, but um, there's a lot of shows that are held there. And and uh, it, it, it's it's uh, a good thing if your parents want to kind of maybe not push you, but maybe give you a little idea of what college is. Take you to a show mm-hmm. and go take a tour of one of these colleges yeah. and and give the give the kids the children an, an idea of what they can experience there uh, you know i know that was very, yeah. it seems like it was very beneficial to you to go in and visit these right. colleges yeah. and get to know the professors but uh, there's something else on the yeah. horizon uh, something else that you you've gotten into tell me about this podcast and what's it all about demi michelle 
<laughs> so my podcast is called Right on Track, a songwriting podcast, and I started it in May of 2021. And my inspiration behind starting it was that when I first got into music as an independent, and I was looking for different platforms to reach out to to be on, it was really difficult as an independent artist. I found to find someone who would take me seriously or give me a chance. I got ghosted a lot. I got a lot of no's, and there were a lot of platforms that were very specific for the kind of guests they wanted and I felt like I had I had to check all these boxes that I wasn't able to check and as a result I felt like my journey didn't matter and I was inferior and so once I got deeper into music and did a lot more research into like what was out there I decided to start my own show make it extremely inclusive and conversational and topic based so every single episode is primarily centering a topic on songwriting or the music industry as a whole personal topics literally anything that can fall under the umbrella of music and the industry and I made it a point to tell everybody that no matter who you are I don't care if you are a Grammy winner and I've spoken to Grammy winners or if you're an independent artist and I've talked to them too or in the business radio um, PR whatever like if you are in the music industry and you have a story to tell and you want to talk about it and you want to have a conversation you're welcome on the show and so that was my whole motivation for starting the podcast and right now I'm at 157 episodes like I'm like I have a lot um and it's been amazing so uh, I really really love this show and I've gotten to meet so many incredible people in the industry through it I've widened my network through it and it's just been a really great experience see all the years of terrestrial radio uh, since uh, 1986 that's back in the 1900s for you kids uh, you know I, I I've, <laughs> I've enjoyed Every conversation that I've ever had, you know, there's always, mm-hmm. everyone has a story. There's so many, yeah. uh, you know, as soon as you're born, you start to develop, uh, you know, ideas and thoughts and, and uh, get experiences. And, and to, to relay those experiences, it lets people know, hey, we're not so different. We're, right. we have a lot more in common than we, than we do differently. I, and mm-hmm. I appreciate that you're, you're taking all walks of life. You know, pr- yeah. primarily in the music industry, uh, if even tangent- tangentially, uh, you're uh, you're getting you're giving them the the opportunity to, to talk, and you're doing something right. that actors, if they have the ability and they haven't gotten any work, they'll write their own thing and go star in their own thing and go direct their own thing. See, if you don't have uh, if you don't have enough people that are that are giving you uh, that are opening doors. You kick your own door open. You make your own door. Right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah, that was my whole thing with doing it. And it's been a really great experience. And that's why I'm going to be starting one for publishing because it's the same situation where there are things out there, but some of them are just for agents and some of them are just for for debut authors or like famous New York Times bestsellers. And it's like, what about the rest of us who are just getting started? And I think what Right on Track really achieved was what exactly you said. It makes people realize we're not so different. My conversation with an Emmy winner was just as valuable as my conversation with an independent artist because they're both human beings and they both have stories to share and they're both valid. And so with publishing, it's going to have the exact same structure for literary blend. It's going to be topic-based conversations 
with editors, agents, authors. I don't care if they're just starting out. Um, New York Times, I have a wonderful lineup. I have a New York Times bestselling author that I love. Um, some of my author friends who are still pitching agents. I have um, conversations already lined up with agents that have been in the business for a few years and then agents that just started. I'm talking to freelance editors. And so it's just going to be a really great platform, again, to make it really inclusive because the publishing industry is very small and I feel like trying to break in in any way can be really difficult. And so just giving a platform to anybody who wants it is going to be super fun. And I can't wait to launch that soon. Oh my goodness. I can't, I have no doubt. It's going to be very interesting. You have the gift of gab uh, for me. I've, I mean, I've only been talking <laughs> to you for about 50 minutes and I've enjoyed every single minute. Uh, it, it, and you're, you're giving me <laughs> gems, you know, you're, you're knowledgeable in the music business, in the in the writing business, in the singer songwriting business. You know all about this. You're not going to get eaten alive, hopefully, okay? <laughs> because because uh, that's one of the the downfalls. Some people have been eaten alive, figuratively speaking. Uh, you know that uh, th- they get that that five thousand dollar advance and they sign on the dotted line and they give their whole lives. Uh, up to the industry yeah. and it eats them up uh, they're they're doing eight shows a week <laughs> just to make rent uh, you know uh, yeah. you know if se- seven shows a week and two on sunday uh, just just to just to try to make rent uh, I, I hope that 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 doesn't happen to you you have avenues uh, you know hopefully the podcast takes off and you get a source of revenue there and you know you start doing something you love there yeah. uh, the the book writing yes i want to see that book deal come up and then inevitably the yeah. the movie deal the you know you have to the, negotiate the movie rights on that book you know oh my god that'd be cool yes i would love to have my book turn into a movie or a tv show okay if if you were going to cast the uh the the, oh the protagonist or the antagonist of the star uh, right now i mean it might it might take 20 years for this to happen it's possible but if if you were casting <laughs> the main characters right now who would you ca- cast i know i'm putting you right on the spot <laughs> um i love i don't know if you know her um but she's an actress her name's bailey madison um she starred in the tv show good witch and she's in the spinoff of pretty little liars original sin she's done quite a few um, movies too i think she's really great um and all my books like i have a couple books um right now i have four across different genres but um i think bailey she did a really good job of like being in like a drama slash thriller with the Pretty Little Liars thing and um, Good Wish is a little fantasy contemporary. So like she's definitely illustrated herself to be able to do different roles. And she's always been one of my favorite actresses. So I think it'd be amazing if she could play one of my protagonists. See, and now I'm not, I don't know how much I believe in putting things out into the universe and uh, having become a uh, manifestate into re- reality. <laughs> it might happen. Hey, it's a bit of the hoodly poodly. Manifestation. It's, yes, a manifestation into reality. Oh, yes. <laughs> I did, it's so funny. I know. Yeah. I said mani- no, I, 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 did, I, um, I compounded uh, manifest and manifestation into manifestate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
um, I did an interview, um, and it was really funny. It was on a radio special, and this was a little bit before, like this is about five or six months before I got my offer of representation for my agent. It was like I think the host, I forget exactly what he said, but he was like, "Oh, like you're you're an agent and author, or you're a published author," and I said, "Not yet, but let's speak it into existence." And like literally months later. I got an offer. So I I would not say I don't believe in this stuff because it's happened a few times. <laughs> Fabulous. All right. I know I, I put a pin in something a little bit earlier and I wanted to take that pin out. I have a song that I put out that I hope nobody ever listens to, but it is on the YouTube. It's called <laughs> No Snow. And it's uh you know, it was done in no one snow. it was done in one take at a little rock radio station <laughs> me uh, as a producer and another producer were singing i i sang the hook and he sang the rap and it was primarily no snow on christmas there's going to be no snow on christmas this year all right your la- your last video your latest video uh that you put up on youtube about a month ago it, it's it, it really got to my heart that you have the feeling of Christmas and you want the feeling of Christmas all year long. You wish it was Mm -hmm. out there all year long. And you have at least two Christmas songs. One of them. Four. I have four. Okay. But one of them referencing that you do (laughs) want snow on Christmas. Okay. So we might be in a little bit of a, uh, of a, uh, a standoff (laughs) on, uh, I want no snow. You want some snow on Christmas. Where are you? Wait, where are you even located? Do you have hope oh, in Pennsylvania? You have snow on Christmas, don't you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pittsburgh. Okay. Well, you did something smart. Okay. A Christmas song can come out of the box every year and make a little revenue. Mariah Carey is living proof. Oh, yeah. They unfreeze her every year just around November and she doesn't <laughs> freeze again until about January. You know, so, uh, but uh, she has become the queen of Christmas. But, you know, people that make a Christmas song, uh, you know, especially if it's from the heart and you could feel it, you know, when you're singing it, uh, it it could come out every year and make you a little mailbox money. And and I hope that for you. Uh, you know, but tell me about yeah, your Christmas, no. your feelings. Yeah, I love Christmas music and I'm making it my tradition to release an original one every year. I, um, in 2020, I released All I Want This Christmas, 2021, Snow on Christmas Day, 2022, Winter Cold, and the last year was Tinsel Heart. And then I actually wrote two Christmas songs this past Christmas. Um, one is called Meet Me at Christmas Time and the other one's called Candy Cane. And I'm going to release them both this year because I don't want to have to hold on to one for like another year. Um, I'm actually going to the studio in a couple of weeks to do one of them. I love Christmas songs and you're exactly right. I think when you have the normal music, it kind of, it, it runs its course and people like new fans will discover it and people will go back to it from time to time. But what's really nice about Christmas music because it's a seasonal thing Every year, people have gone back to my first Christmas song that I released in 2020 and the other ones, too. And it's been really great because you're right, like those come back every year. And I don't think Christmas songs will ever get old. I, whatever I feel like it, it can be like January or July and I'm listening to Christmas songs. Um, So I love Christmas music. Well, you're so funny that you want to put out both of those uh, this year uh, instead of banking one yeah. for next year. You, this is the same thing I do with podcasting. Some people say, oh, <laughs> I put out my podcast every Monday and every Thursday. No, I'll probably put this one out tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> uh, tonight, if I'm feeling, if I'm feeling saucy, 
but I put out the podcast almost immediately, almost as soon as I do them. I don't bank them. Yeah. I don't keep them uh, for a couple of months. And, and okay, I only give it to you Monday or Thursday. If I do three that week, guess what? You're getting three. If I do two that week, <laughs> you're getting two. If I do seven, you're getting seven. So uh, yeah, I, I understand the, the feeling of not waiting. Maybe I'm doing it wrong. I've got, uh, you know, quite a few uh, podcasts as well, but uh, how do you how do you release your podcast? Are you doing it the right way, quote unquote? <laughs> I record in advance. Um, and I think like it, just because I'm doing so much, it's easier for me to like not get stressed out because I edit a lot. So I record in advance and I release episodes every other Sunday. Um, and for a while I've been doing two every other Sunday at one point it got like really busy with the request so I tripled up and so I definitely like go with what I need to do because I don't want to have like a massive backlog where people are waiting very long either but I don't want to stress myself out by like someone backing out last minute and then OMG I need to record for like next week like that would just shuts me out so I always have like a little bit of a backlog but um with the writing one this is gonna be a bit of a disaster because I wanted to record some in advance before starting to release them, which is exactly what I did with the song running one, just so I had a head start and I could book more and like record more, like more sparingly instead of all at once. And so I had some author friends and agents that I knew that I reached out to and was like, Hey, do you want to be on this podcast? But like, this is hush hush at the moment because I'm still getting things together. Well, I got those recorded and then it turned into omg you should have so-and-so on to talk about this and then you should have this person to talk about this and so now i have like 18 or 19 and i haven't even started releasing them yet so i'm really gonna have to like triple up for a while to get them out but it like really skyrocketed quickly and that's making me a little nervous because with the music one after a while i got like so many requests and I do not like turning people down just from being a songwriter and artist myself. It's really hard knowing from the other side of things, what it's like to hear like, Oh, I don't have space for you right now. Cause I've gotten those emails before. And so I try really, not, really hard not to do that. But I, at the same time, I can't record like 10 and release 10 at once, just like with my schedule and everything. And so I'm getting really nervous with this writing one, especially because people are already like vaguely talking about it. And I'm like, man, when this like gets released, I'm going to probably get more emails and I'll just have to manage it. But it's just rewarding to knowing that people want to talk to me because I just think I'm nobody special. I'm just <laughs> going about my days, doing my stuff. So the fact people want to talk to me is kind of um, humbling, but no, it's really great. <laughs> Say it loud. You are somebody special. You are somebody special. No, it, it, you're a great host. I can tell already that you're somebody that's easy to talk to. I've been very comfortable chatting with you that, about whatever. I, I've gotten to know you. My listener has gotten to know you just through the hour of this conversation, and that's fantastic. And when people start to know that there is somebody that it ha is you know receptive and engaging and and able to uh give them a platform yeah people want to tell their stories and uh, you know hopefully that gets a a few more ears on their music and a few more eyeballs on their on their books on their writing and uh, maybe they can uh make a living uh, doing this thing that they love rather than grinding at a job that they might not love so, uh, yeah. I've, like I said, I've taken about an hour of your time. I've taken some, uh, people have gotten an idea of who you are. Are there any more avenues that you want to, uh, let the people know about? Demi, Michelle no. Schwartz? 
Um, I think that's everything. The music, the podcast, the author side. I think that's pretty much me. That's my um, trinity, my uh, author, music, podcast. <laughs> yes, that's, um, that's but, the basics yeah, no, of you. I'm really excited. <laughs> well, <laughs> well I, I usually finish these things off uh, with like shout outs. If you want to give some shout outs to people that have helped you along the way, like your set designer, yeah. set designer named yeah. Mom. She was wonderful, uh, making making sure that you uh, that you're backdrop looked perfect so yay mom and i want to give props to you obviously you're a good podcaster you're a good interviewee you have your microphone your lavalier mic and your headphones set up so you sound that much better some people just use a Mm. phone which is okay but it takes a lot more editing to make that sound right. Yeah, it's a nightmare. Yeah, this microphone, um, I also I just brought this one out. I had it for a really long time. And then I, I usually do interviews with a different um, microphone, like an actual uh, condenser mic. But um, I'm currently right now on an iPad. That's like the newer version. It doesn't have the headphone jack. I, I'm so mad at Apple for getting rid of the headphone jack. I'm very mad at them. But anyway, so I need to get, because I have an interface and this is like a newer iPad and I don't have the cable for the interface to go into that iPad to run my microphone. So I need to get that. And so I'm using this one for now for when I do step on this iPad. But um, yeah, uh, in terms of shout outs, yeah, shout out to my mom and my dad. Um, shout out to, I don't want to miss anybody, um, my incredible producer, Bob McCutcheon. Shout out to all of my musicians who have played on my music. Um, Luke Wood, who's my guitarist and bassist. Um, Sophia Elliott, my drummer. Jason Dunkel, who played pedal steel for me. Uh, shout out to my saxophonist, Brett McCutcheon, and my flutist, Anna O'Malley. Uh, they're all fabulous, and you can hear them on my music. Um, Anna's will be on my new single, Kind Heart, coming out on February 29th. Um, I love flute. I've never played it, but it's like my favorite instrument, and I wanted flute on Kind Heart. And so Anna played for me, and she's so talented, so shout out to her. Um, and then shout out to literally in the music music realm just anybody who is giving me a platform and who had allowed me to share my story shout out to you for having me on um and then the podcasting yeah shout out to all of my wonderful guests and my listeners and in the author world shout out to my wonderful agent michelle jackson for champion championing me and my stories and all of my friends and uh yeah all my friends in the publishing industry who stuck by my side and has supported me Shout out to everybody. <laughs> well, I want to shout out to Jess Manishi because uh, because she's fantastic. Obviously, you're two peas in a pod. Jess, is, is that right? Oh, my gosh. You just? Oh, Jess Manishi. She's my bestie. <laughs> yep. Yep. I can tell you're two peas in a pod. She she uh, <laughs> is your ride or die. And I, I like that. I like that a lot. It's good to have. I have one. You know, it's good to have at least one that has been with you for a, a good part of your life. Uh, and I have one yeah. that's been around for more than more than 30 years Uh, so that's fantastic all right um let's finish this thing off i don't want i don't want this to be the last time that we talk as time progresses and you have other things to talk about come on back the what makes you famous podcast uh door is open to you but i always finish these things off with last words for the people this could be words to live by something you heard a long time ago maybe a mantra that you wake up with every morning or whatever pops into your head at this moment in time. Demi, Michelle, Schwartz, give the last words for the people. Yeah. <laughs> so my last words would be, no matter what you're doing, stay true to yourself and be authentic. 
I think that especially nowadays, especially if you're getting into any kind of creative industry, music, writing, um, even if it's like acting or uh, TV film, whatever, and podcasting too, if you're getting on the mic, you want to be authentic. And I think there's a lot of people nowadays trying to do things and that's fantastic. But for that reason, there are a lot of people and it's hard to know where to turn, where to look, where to listen. And by staying true to myself and being authentic, I have gotten opportunities. I've made genuine connections. I've built my network and I've just been able to show who I am without having to remember things I'm saying, things I'm doing because I'm not putting on a face. I don't need to you know, think up like, oh, what am I going to say if they ask me this? What am I What am I going to say if they ask me this? Because I'm just always myself, like in interviews, on my social media, in my music, at live shows, whatever. And so I think no matter what you're doing in life, if you're authentic, it's going to be so much easier because no one else is like you. You're the only one. You're unique. And so you'll just draw attention that way. And more than that, you won't have to worry about what you're saying. Um, if it's authentic or not, because if you're yourself, then it's always going to be authentic and that will come out and people will recognize you for your authenticity. Well, there you have it, party people. Demi Michelle Schwartz, or just simply Demi Michelle. Oh, my goodness. Find her on all her social medias in the show notes, right down there in the show notes. The main thing you need is DemiMSchwartz.com. Check that out. It's got her music EP, bio, music, the right on track, the shop, author bio, news and blog, contact. I'm so excited. I'm so excited to hear the podcast, hear more from this dynamo. You are somebody special to me, <laughs> Michelle Schwartz. And thanks for the correction on your pronunciation of your name. That's right. I put the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable. It's not Demi. It's Demi. Okay. Okay. We got that. We got that straight. I look forward to hearing more from you. Thanks so much for being on the What Makes You Famous podcast. That's it for this edition of What Makes You Famous. Now, if you, yes, you, my loyal listener, if you'd like to tell your story, I encourage you to give me a call, 501-470-6386, or email keysdan at AOL.com. That's it for me. It's keysdan, radiowhat.com, djlittlerock.com. Peace. I'm out of here. Radio What, the music you want. Hey, guys, this is Shelly G with a fast fact. Global sales of pre-recorded music total more than $40 billion. Do you have a fast fact? Share it with us at Interactive Radio, RadioWhat.com. If you like what you hear, follow What Makes You Famous social media. Use the hashtag, What Makes You Famous. Follow on Facebook, at What Makes You Famous. Follow on Instagram, at What Makes You Famous. Follow on Twitter, at Makes Famous and follow on YouTube at Keys Dan. Leave What Makes You Famous podcast a review and subscribe. Listen to What Makes You Famous podcast on Podbean, iTunes, YouTube, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, and almost anywhere you find podcasts. Tell your story on my podcast, What Makes You Famous. Call 501-470-6386 and leave a message to set up a time. You can support What Makes You Famous using the PayPal link, paypal.me forward slash keysdan. What Makes You Famous podcast 
is a production of Keysdan Enterprises Incorporated at keysdan.com. Thank you for listening. This is Keys Dan. And this is Shelly G. And you're listening to Radio What? Dot com.